They tried to stop my shine, but I said, hold up. Y'all know how many hoes done tried to hold this hoe up. Tokyo music. Craig likes to talk, Craig likes to write, Craig drop a podcast each Thursday night, Craig got some sense, Craig got slick mouth, Craig from DC but his soul is down south, Craig throws some shade, Craig spills some tea, Craig gon' keep fighting till black queers are free, till black queers are free, Craig skin his logo, hey. Hello everybody, we're being screwed tonight Hello everybody, we're getting screwed tonight What's up y'all, just thought I had to give it to you that style a little bit Just to show y'all that I'm still listening to this Solange uh, when I get home if you missed it, I did a whole show on it last week. I'm still on that vibe. So, um, still acting like I'm from Texas, from Houston, hitting this chopped and screwed shit, even though I'm not. But I've always been down with chopped and screwed music. I've always been down with DJ Screw. Always been down with the slopped up, not chopped up. I mean, chopped up, not slopped up, rather. But anyway, what's all that? Um, and all y'all were like, oh, I know Spotify don't be dragging. What's wrong with this track? <laughs> Anyway, hey y'all, welcome to Craig's Pop Life, a black gay excursion into pop culture with your guide, Craig Seymour. You know me. I've been writing about music for more than 20 years. Uh, you can catch the articles on rnbeing.com. Get yourself some good reads, spend your little afternoon. You know, you, you trying to procrastinate work, go on there, read about some albums. It's all good. You can check out my biography on Luther Vandross. Like I said, there are some people in the internets that seem to think it don't exist, but it do. You can find it on Amazon.com. You can get it on your ebook. You can get it paperback. You can get it hardback. You can get it on um, Audible audiobook. You could get them all together and send it to one of those motherfuckers who act like I ain't write a book on Luther Vandross and acting like people aren't he- out here representing Luther Vandross. But you ain't hear from me. And I'm not saying no names, but. That's what search is for. But anyway, uh, you can also read about how I was a stripper hoe in grad school in my memoir, All I Could Bear. And then if you're still like, I can't can I get another this motherfucker. I just need to read some more shit by him. You can read my novel, Who's Your Daddy? It's about three generations of gay men looking for love, looking for love. And then you can check out my upcoming book, uh, forthcoming, upcoming. I don't know. It's just it's just coming, y'all. It's just coming. Um, special, a critical meditation on the life and artistry of Janet Jackson. What? What you know about that? And that will be out on March 22nd. And, you know, this ain't the normal publishing type of stuff. I'm not talking about March 22nd, 2020 or some shit like that. It's March 22nd, like... Before your next rent payments due March 22nd. <laughs> I mean, March 26th, rather. God, I got my... You know why I was mixing that up, y'all? Because um, the last day that I can get it to Amazon in order to make the March 26th pub date is March 22nd. So I kind of have the dates mixed up in my... Don't be calling me on March 22nd. Don't be calling me on March 21st. I'll be busy. 
But um, yeah, so that'll be out March 26th, and you can pre-order the ebook now, and the paperback will be out on release day. Okay, so and I appreciate all the support, all y'all that bought that book and like got it to number one pre-order on soul music i love y'all so much for that that means so much to me that means so much for the culture because the thing about it is like we are still in the situation as black people where everybody looks at a black a black success or a black failure means more than that individual thing you know a white um project can fail and it's just oh that particular project didn't work whatever whatever a black project fails it's Oh, people don't buy black books, so people don't like to buy books on black music, blah de blah de blah. So it really is a support. And that's why, you know, if you catch my Twitter feed, you catch my Instagram feed, I'm always bigging up other black books. Always doing it. Because it's it's a community. I'm not never selling y'all no trash. Now, these are books that I bought and read and enjoy. But the point is, I go out my way to let y'all know about them because we really are all in this together. And if you want, people come up to me all the time. Why don't you write this? Why don't you write this? Why can't you write more books? Why don't you write more books? Well, um, you know, Largely, reason it's just the opportunities and what happened in my career. I just got tired of like arguing with people trying to say, "Oh no, people will really like this book. People are really into this era or this genre or this artist. People really like this." But you spend your more, you know. I found myself at one point in my career spending more time trying to convince people to let me write shit than that I was actually writing shit. Do you know what I mean? And that's not right. That's not why God put me on this earth. That's not my purpose. So that's why I just decided to do this Janet book myself because I'm just like. I can just do it. I'm not trying to, I don't need to convince a committee of white folks why Janet is important. I know why she's important. I'm going to write down why she's important. And you all showed me that, yes, we think she's important too. And we think it's important to um, support this project. So that means so much, y'all. So, I mean, give yourself um, a round of applause just for supporting black work and independent black work. And y'all know I'm not going to do you wrong. But still, don't be calling me on no... um, March 21st, because I'll be busy getting your stuff together. It's like how you don't bother grandma, grandmama when she, you know, midday um, on Thanksgiving. It's like she don't have time to look at nothing or do whatever. She's trying to cook. And that's what I'll be doing. I'll be trying to cook. So let's get into this week, bitch. I am tired. I am tired, tired as a motherfucker. Now, I'm tired, one, because I've been working like 18, 20-hour days pulling the Janet book together. But then social media, these social media girls just wore me out this week. I just can't with some people. I mean, I just don't know what some people's minds are like. I mean, there were just two incidents that just had me just, you know, losing faith in humanity and shit. And I like the the first thing, um, it's not necessarily chronological, but, you know, there's all this um, Michael Jackson leaving Neverland stuff going on. And I had decided a long ago that I just wasn't getting into it because I knew I was doing this the Janet book. And, like, for me, I always – and, you know, even doing my Janet cover stories, like, I've always tried to just t- put the attention onto Janet. Do you know, because so many times everything Janet is seen in relationship to, you know, a prominent member of her family or something like that. And I just decided that I was not doing that with this project. I'd already decided even before the Leaving Neverland, you know, anything like that, I just decided that – He's going to play a very small role, even in the book that I'm writing, in that, yes, um, he's her brother, and there's some, and there's a relationship there in terms of personal development, artistic development. And then when you start moving into the 80s and the 90s, then he becomes a key competitor, along with the, you know, 
Madonna and the Whitney Houston's and everything like that. So that's kind of the way that he's in the book, just kind of as her brother and as just another person that is sort of um, in that pop arena, but not um, so much framing the story around him. So I just didn't want to speak about it because I just did, thought it was taking attention away. But y'all, you know, you try to just be quiet, you try to just not say anything, whatever, and people just try to pull you in, pull you into the mess. So somebody had asked me what I thought about it. And I just politely said, you know, you know that I'm trying to, I'm not really comment on it because I just really want to keep the focus on Janet. Not sooner than I could push sin on that tweet, somebody else would say, oh yeah, but what do you really mean? So, you know, I'm just like, again, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, it just doesn't have anything to do with Janet. Child, and that and they couldn't even leave that alone. So then I had people popping in. What do you mean it doesn't have anything to Janet? This is her family member. This is her, th- this and that. And like these people, they were like, a, like little tweet assassins. Cause like somebody would like, you know, tweet something mad spicy to me. And you know, I clap back to a motherfucker. I don't play on my Twitter. You know, you can't just say any old thing to me. Shit. So somebody was like, you know, it does mean something to Janet, and you means that you, you don't care about Janet because you don't care about her brother. And I was typing like a motherfucker, trying to type back to this little kid. Next thing I know, he had me blocked. How you gonna do that? How you gonna clap at somebody? And that that's like that's some that's some weak shit. That's like you you know um you know back in the elementary school days, like you throw somebody throw something at somebody, or you say some wild shit to somebody, and then you run inside the house and hide under your mama or something like that. So I just couldn't. And then, so I thought, but I just thought that that had run its case and everything like that. But then, like the next day, you know, after I watched Oprah and all that kind of stuff, and my whole thing is, you know, I've never been sexually abused or anything like that. I imagine this could be, it's one of the worst things that can happen to you when you're a child. And that it's one of those things that never leave you for the rest of your, your life. So if anybody's talking about an experience like that, whether it involves anybody that I know or, you know, a celebrity I like or whatever, like I'm empathetic to that situation because that seems like a um, horrific situation. So after, you know, hearing people talk about the Oprah, hearing um, the two guys in the Neverland thing talk on Oprah, you know, I was moved. So I would just, I never sit there with my phone. So occasionally somebody would say something like, oh, I hope they get help and I might like it. Do you know people done went through my likes and then go, you can't possibly like that. How can you like that? That's not being supportive of Michael. That's not being supportive. And I'm just like, when, you know, it's the stand culture that I cannot stand. You know, this whole thing of people that try to feel, they try to feel powerful by aligning themselves with some kind of powerful celebrity or something. And by doing their bidding by doing what they think their bidding is, they get a little bit of reflect, refracted power from that. But it's not in no real power. You don't need to be out here defending no billionaires and millionaires about simple ass shit. Do you know what I mean? It's like all these fans, like Ariana fans don't need to be arguing with Mariah fans and all this. I mean, it's just such wasted energy and it's the kind of thing that takes away from truly appreciating the artistry of the person to me if we truly a fan then let's just talk about i like i mean the way i like engaging a fan culture is when people kind of like bring out the oh in this day you know five minutes from now this person dropped this single and i'm like oh they, did they drop that single that's interesting to me blah 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 or they share a little clip oh this is a clip of them from you know a 
an interview that they did off the Forbidden Island or whatever that was aired once and then, you know, fell into the sea and somebody discovered it just 10 minutes ago. And then now we're seeing it for the first time. Oh, thanks for sharing that. That's interesting. You know, just some, but just this whole arguing back and forth and just this and that, like, I just, I, I just can't. And it's just, um, I just don't understand that kind of fan. I don't, I don't want, I don't want people to support my work like that. I don't understand people who are like that. And so I just have to, um, you know, remove myself from it. So it was just very disheartening because it was especially disheartening for the Jan fam to get all in it because, you know, she hadn't said shit about the situation. And with her coming up with this metamorphosis tour and every and with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, putting attention on this documentary that ain't even about her, don't have nothing to do with her, isn't about anything that she would have ever had knowledge of because she wasn't there. So, like... To put all that attention on that, that's taking attention away from celebrating these achievements that she's doing. So, um, very disappointed, very disheartening. Just a really, really weird um, week with that. And I hope things kind of um, return to normal, you know. I mean, even Paris Jackson tweeted, like, y'all just need to chill. Smoke some weed. What is your problem? And after she tweeted that, people were tweeted back to her trying to make it seem like she needed to be more mad about the situation. They were telling her, oh, people are destroying your father's legacy and all this kind of stuff. I mean, that stuff is not helpful. So whatever. I just really hope that is, um, I hope that is over. I hope that is done for the whatever. Um, and the other thing, weird thing that happened to me, and this is just, you know, I'm just in here minding my good black business, you know, writing my good black book. And, um, you know, the person that, the person, but <laughs> the entity that is really suffering in all this is just my doggy, because, you know, I mean, I still spend a lot of time with her and I still take her to work and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, I don't take, you know, the walks aren't quite as long because I'm trying to get back to work. And, you know, when she wants to go out sometimes and I'm working, I might be a little bit sh- sh- shorter than, um, I normally am. So anyway, so I was taking her out on kind of a longish walk to sort of make up for stuff. And I'm just reading, 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 you know, reading on my um on my good um Twitter. And so Michael Arsenault, you know, the writer, um, if you don't know, you should definitely check out his book Vessi. He's a black gay writer, although he calls himself a gay black writer, but um he um, has a hilarious essay, um, book of essays called I Can't Date Jesus. And he talks a lot about Beyonce, talks a lot about growing up in the church, and just a very, very, it, it's an excellent um, book of essays. And I highly recommend you check it out. And also, just based upon what I was saying earlier, it's important to check it out. If you want other books by, um, you know, black gay men, other books of essays and m- memoirs by black gay men that you definitely need to take out your coins and buy that book. And see, that's the thing also where people will like read something. Let's say people read something by a, bl- a black gay man will read something by another black gay man and not like it. And then they'll trash it on Amazon and, you know, tell everybody not to buy it and do all that kind of stuff. That is going to stop you from getting the black gay books that you want. Do you know what I'm saying? I understand that we don't need to pretend to like things that we don't like, but at the same time, we have to understand that these things are created within the context of a business, and all they see is the money. All they see is was money spent or was money not spent. So we need to have, we need to support each other so that there are more voices out there. And then, you know, 
within that range of things that are created, hopefully there's something there that you really feel reflects you and reflects your point of view and everything like that. But if you don't support what is, if you don't support what the publishing industry has taken a chance on now, then you're not going to get the stuff that you really, really want. And that's just facts, you know. But what in the hell were we talking about? Oh, yeah, I was talking about Michael Arsenault's tweet. And now, child, I was talking so long, my phone done went to sleep. I need to open up. Okay, so he had had this funny tweet. Monica was at, um, you know, the singer Monica, one of my faves, who I've always loved, uh, was at some concert, and people got to start arguing. And Monica was not going to have you arguing at her concert when she tried to sing, you know, baby, that's why I love you so much. So she told, she was like, and the security went around. She was just like, look, you go over there and you go over there and you all go over there and you stay placed, put there and you stay put there and don't let me have to take my shoes off and come down there. Very funny. Very, very Monica. You know, that's quintessential Monica because I spent a lot of time when I was the um, pop music critic at the Atlanta Journal Constitution. I spent a lot of time with Monica. Go to Benihana's with Monica. Go to the Steakhouse with Monica. Monica's aunt worked at the papers. She was always coming by my desk showing me family pictures and stuff like that. Monica was cool people's. I was cool with her. So Michael's tweets, he said, Monica sits at the intersection of R&B and the shooting range, which I just thought was funny. I thought everybody knew Monica had guns. Everybody knows Monica has, has a shoot gun. That's why he made the joke, and that's why I thought the joke was funny. So I added in, you know, as my dog was pooping, I'm trying to type fast, you know how it goes. I say, at one point while writing a Vibe article on her in 2002, we were sitting in her car looking for a Tupac CD. I found one, I found not one, but two guns in the car before we ever located the album. And that's true. That just happened. You know what I'm saying? It was just, it was funny as shit, you know? And I didn't even have a chance to respond. She was just like, they're licensed. And I know how to use them. And we just went on looking for the CD. But it was fun. And again, this is in 2002. Okay. But people can't just take shit as it is, right? So then I got inundated with all of these tweets talking about, ooh, why are you snitching? Why are you snitching? Why are you making it hot? Why are you making it hot? Why are you snitching? Why are you making it hot? Why are you snitching? Why are you making it hot? And I was thinking to myself, that never made it into the article because... I felt like if I had talked about the guns that she carried, it would sort of, um, that would, even before the clickbait days, just like I felt that would take attention away from her story, which I thought was very important. So I just didn't think it was necessary to put in the story. And I, I focused it just on all the things she had been through, which she had been through a lot of traumatic things, like the death of a boyfriend, another boyfriend getting locked up. Those were the things that I thought were important to her character and to giving a sense of who she was, not just ha- that she happened to have two guns in her car. So I'm thinking about this, so, so I'm get, like making it hot. I, I, you can't make something hot, you know, 20 some years later. That you hardly make it lukewarm. You know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? So then, of course, um, because I was procrastinating and my dog was taking a long ass time to shit, I was, um, you know, responding back to people. And then and then people thought that I was, like, insulting her because, you know, there's a name people call her. I'm not even going to repeat the name, but there's a name people call her to try to make it seem like she's a thug. And I wrote back. I was like, people make Monica out to be a thug. But she's really super nice. She just don't not play. I mean, Monica just not playing with you. You know what I mean? She's super nice, but Monica has her boundaries. She has lines, and you just don't cross those lines. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's not going to be a problem, but... The only problem will happen if you make it a problem by crossing one of her boundaries. 
which is another thing that I thought was crazy. It's like, knowing what I know about Monica, and I'm talking about her carrying guns in her car, do you think I'm going to tweet something out just all reckless? No, I don't want Monica mad at me. <laughs> so like it's crazy to even think that I would have done that had I thought it would have been any issue and and Monica's one type of people I'm like Monica because you know she's always been kind of that old soul and I can tell you this if Monica was mad at me I would be more scared of just her being just disappointed in me than I ever would be about her slapping me upside the head or pulling a gun I, that would not happen I would feel like I disappointed her about something, and that would be the worst feeling that I could possibly have. So that's the shit that I was trying to protect. So anyway, I was done with that. I was just, people were just all, they were like, Craig Seymour snitch. Craig Seymour, stop snitching, stop snitching. So finally, and you know, I think people were trying to be slick, so then so it got to Monica, you know, and I think they expected her to just freak out, but this, she wrote, I remember our interview and did share my world with you, which I didn't do often back then. I've had a tremendous amount of growth. I'm proud of who I was then and now. My father taught me to take care of myself and those I love. I still do. I appreciate you covering my family. And I was just like, see, y'all, see, I knew what, even though I was doing up, I knew what I was doing. I knew what, where I was coming from was never out of disrespect. And the thing about it is if yours intention is pure, then people will see that intention. The real people will see that intention. She obviously saw that intention. So then I wrote back, you are still one of the realest people I've ever been blessed to meet. Always wishing you and your family the best. Because I knew her family. I knew her mother. I spoke to her mother before I'd speak to her. You know what I mean? That. It's just the way things were. And then she wrote back, um, thank you again. My family sends their warmest regards. If you're ever in the country, you still have a seat at the table. LOL. Love and blessings, Craig. So that turned out to be a really, you know, from just something that people on social media wanted to make nasty and wanted to turn into some beef, that turned into a really nice moment. And it just goes to show you that if you do right by people, even in 2002, they will remember that, and um, you know, I mean, it's just, it just does not have to be nasty in the celebrity, in covering celebrities and everything like that. You can be critical, you can be, a, you know, really tell the people's stories, but also not be an asshole. So I felt good about that in the end, but still, all of it was just a crazy, crazy um, distraction while I'm trying to work on getting y'all this good, good book. But before we move on to Monica, I just have to say, because I kind of slept on this too. You know, Monica released that single Commitment back in January. But for some reason, on title, because you know, I'm a title person. I have, I'm on all the services, honestly. I, I, I pay title. I pay Spotify. I pay um, YouTube. Because, y'all, YouTube, um, the paid YouTube on your app is good. That way you can be listening to videos and stuff, and it won't cut off when you close the app and open up another app. That was worth my good $9. I haven't regretted a day from that. And I've recommended to that to other people, and every person I know that signed up to that liked it. So that's one thing. But anyway, I'm getting – I don't even know where I'm going. But um, her single isn't with the regular Monica songs on title, so I kept forgetting to play it. But um, it really is cool. It's called Commitment. And um, – I'm going to put it on my website. All the songs that I reference and stuff, 
I did this, I told y'all about this on one episode, but I don't know um, how many people heard that episode. But now, so it's not as hard to keep track of what I'm talking about and keep track of all the links and stuff when I'm talking. I'm just going to put all the links to the songs and stuff into the articles on craigspoplife.com. So um, I'll put commitment because it it is hot. You know, she's talking about she's looking for good sex and commitment. Who don't want that? That's a good ass combo. That's a good if I could go through the drive through and good sex and commitment. Oh, is that a number four? Is that uh, OK? I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Wrap that to go, you know, put it in aluminum foil. Keep it hot. So um, there's that. And the other interesting thing about the commitment single is that um, it is produced by this duo. Child, I done lost my notes. Um. Oh yeah, it's produced by this duo, this female duo called Nova Wave. I don't know if you um, have heard of them, but they're really interesting. It's two women, and they've done like a lot of hot shit. They did, um, they did some of Top Off, you know, by the Carters and DJ Khaled, and they did Love Happy by the Carters, um, which is one of my favorite songs off Everything Is Love. But they also did In My Head by Ariana Grande. Now, that is my God. When she says high notes, hey, hey, boop, boop, doo, whatever. <laughs> That's my shit. So um, they did that. They, I told you, they called Nova Wave. And then um, they did one of my favorite songs off the new Kalani album, Feels, which I just love. So um, I am really am definitely checking for Nova Wave. So look out for them as a um, production duo to watch um other than that i'm still into the salon i'll be playing i'll be playing i'll be playing i'll be playing it like three four times a day i'll be playing it out loud so people come by and go do you like it i go yes i love it and i i recommend and i have them sit down i go sit down sit down sit down i know you were expecting more songs and stuff like that and i understand that that's what you want and everything like that but i'm saying i say don't you feel frustrated right now don't you feel just like sometimes mad and sometimes hopeful and some done the world just make you feel like that and she was like yeah the sister was like yeah 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 and i was like but with this album that's the way salon is making music about that feeling she's making music about like how it feels to live in this time you know because it's almost beyond words because the thing is you know we're living in this transitional time right we live in this time we all know if this motherfucker gonna get impeached it we all know like what's gonna go on and if that happens we don't know how we're gonna build out of that we don't know is Kamala our future is not we don't know what's gonna come out of all this we're in this time of flux and that's what that album record um represents so then she's like yeah but now that you mentioned it i was like hey i was like look just take it home just be playing in the background as much as possible and stuff like that and just get into it and just vibe into it. i was like i promise you you will start to like the outcome what's gonna happen is then you know you're gonna be driving or something and you're gonna say be humming something what's that song it's gonna be like oh that's off the salon then next day you're gonna be doing your hair and you or in the shower or something you're gonna be like hmm, what's that song it's gonna be Oh, that's from the salon, and you're gonna start liking it that way. I just said, just you have to divorce yourself from the notion that it's a seat at the table part two, and just be willing to accept this and to accept the um, just the kind of musical world that she's created for you here. And it's not based upon songs; it's based upon sounds. And just get into that. Child, this is just a conversation I had with somebody. I was on a on at 
just came in the co-working space and I haven't displayed stuff. But I just, I am like an evangelist when it comes to the salon. I'm just stopping people, talking to people and everything. And if you missed my review of the album, you can check it out in the last episode. Don't, 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 don't. I know that's the next episode, but it just got in my head. And, you know, I'm feeling vindicated as fuck after, after that last, after my salon review, because I had, um, you know, I had done it after just listening to the album three times. I mean, the album came out at midnight, and I was doing it, like, around, um, I was doing, like, around 2 o'clock. But, and so the references I was making, you know, I wasn't researching stuff. There wasn't even nothing to research. I was just coming off the dome. But then um, this week... Christophe Chassol, I hope that's the way you pronounce that man. It's a black um, French man who played classical piano and he worked on the album. So I think it's Christophe Chassol, I think. Chassol, I don't know, y'all. But anyway, he was interviewed in Rolling Stone about some of the influences of the album. And he mentioned that voodoo was an influence, D'Angelo's voodoo. Remember, I throw that in at the very last. And then he also said that the album Stevie Wonder produced for Sarita was also an influence. And remember, I, I mentioned that. So, um, you know, I felt good. I felt like my little hot, quick takes are um, kind of nice. Even though I haven't been re reviewing a lot of albums lately, I felt like my little album reviewing skills were still tight. So anyway, um, and make sure you don't sleep on the visual album. Yes, it's annoying because you have to watch it on a Amazon Music, and I can't stand Amazon Music. But, you know, I just grinned and bared it and dragged the credit card out for another trial. And it really is, but it really is worth it. It really is a fantastic movie. It's, um, it just, you know, brings all these visual, it just makes you think of all this, these um, visual images. And it really, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hit that, y'all. It is all about space and kind of how black people fit into certain architectural spaces and places where, where we belong and places that seem sort of like they're different spaces for us to be in, you know, kind of putting us in like technological spaces and also very um, sort of Southern sort of spaces with, um, you know, the cowboys and all that kind of stuff. Do people really, do people really, do grown-ass black men really be fully dressed um, going through the streets of Houston with horses on? I really want to, I need to go to Houston just to find out if that's shit for real. Because that just looks like the weirdest shit from, to me. But anyway. Um, but the one thing is, she did release the um, one video, Alameda. I hope that's how you pronounce it. Because again, that's more of that Houston shit. Um, Alameda, she released that video um, on YouTube. So I'll put that on my Craig's Pop Life website. So you can at least get a sense of what the um, the video movie is like. And it's weird. Because I just thought like with Beyonce albums, you know how you buy the um, like the good, good old lemonade or you buy the self-title and you get the DVD with it, right? Which is a much easier way to watch the shit. Because I'm like, a still, I'm still that DVD bitch. I still like to just put the thing in. You know, open it up and then close it. Wait for it to load and just sit back and watch it on my TV and everything like that. That's just the way I do. But apparently with the Solange, that vinyl is out now. But the um, the CD and DVD, I guess, don't come out to like April something. Maybe I guess that's they have the exclusive with Apple for that long or something. But anyway, so all you vinyl people will be real happy. But, um, you know, I guess I will have to wait and continue with this Apple music nonsense. Now, the other thing I'm listening to, the only other thing that I'm really listening to is, um, a lot of people probably don't know this, but I love me some 2 chains. I always have. 
I've seen him a million times in concert. I've been a 2 Chains fanatic ever since he started releasing the solo mixtapes. Because I just love his flow. And I love his flow. It's so playful. But yet, he really does speak on some deep things. And his tracks are just so soulful. And there's this one track... Um, his new album's called Rap or Go to the League. And there's this one track on this. It's, it's a fucking masterpiece. Please, if it's, I'm, I'm going to put it on the website. Just at least listen to a few seconds of it. Because it's produced by the hip-hop legend Ninth Wonder. A lot of R&B folks will know him because he did... Um, he did a lot of tracks on Destiny's Fulfilled, you know, um, Destiny's Child, Destiny Fulfilled, which is their best album. Uh, don't at me. But um, but it contains a sample of this amazing song by um, the Truthettes. The song is called So Good to Be Alive. And, you know, I, I, I love gospel music, so I'm very into, especially older gospel music, um, gospel of like the 80s and stuff. But a lot of times gospel groups would redo R&B songs, but in a gospel way, and they changed the message. So this song is actually a redo of Teddy Pendergrass's Love TKO. And it is just fantastic. It's so soulful. So now I'm all into the truth that's, and then I go back and forth between that and the two chains, and then have to listen to the salon three or four times. So I'm a mess when it comes to the music, but I'm going to put the two chain song and the truth that's version on the website. So you should definitely check them out. Now, moving quickly along to TV... I finally finished the Umbrella Academy about the reunited family of superheroes. It's a little bit of Quentin Tarantino. It's a little bit of Wes Anderson. I really loved it. I loved it so much. I thought it was so quirky, yet unexpectedly funny at times and really warm. I know some folks have said that it's kind of slow, but I think those folks are really just on the tip of like... um, just some superhero, like they want Arrow or something, or The Flash. You know, they just want this action-packed, action-packed. And it really is much more of a family drama and kind of a character study. And there's some really great characters. There's um, the, the, the siblings, the reunited superheroes, they're all siblings, adopted siblings. So there's a black um, movie actress, and she's beautiful. And, you know, there's a gay junkie, and he's really, really funny. Um, there's a 15-year-old boy who's actually in his 50s. And then Mary J. Blood, MJB, you know, I've been an MJB fan ever since the beginning. I'm, I've always been MJB. I was walking around MJB since, you know, you were my... I was walking around in, talking about MJ, talking about who's that girl in the Father MC video. That's how much I love... Um, if you do fum, if you do fum... Anyway, um, that's how much I love MJB. But she just just goes to another level with her acting and her presence um, by playing one half of a duo of assassins. So definitely check that out. But what I will say to you, though, is like if you're going to check it out, give it three episodes. If you don't like it after three episodes, I'm going to say, what the fuck's wrong with you? No, I'm not going to say that. But anyway, then it's probably just not for you. But definitely give it three episodes and, and give it like you're watching like, you know, sort of the Adams Family meets superhero meets Quentin Tarantino, it's just all of that, and it's really um, a good time to me. So, And then the other thing I watch, just kind of in the background, because sometimes when I'm researching things, when I'm like reading through my notes, I'll have something on, because it just kind of, um, it stops me from going to Twitter or going to Instagram or something like that. Um, but I saw that Studio 54 documentary on Netflix, and of course, I've been obsessed with Studio 54 ever since I was like nine years old. I bought a book report, I bought, and I bought a book on Studio 54, and then I did a book report on that book in third grade. So I've just been obsessed. 
And this documentary is good in chronicling the rise and fall of Studio 54, has great interviews, has great archival footage. But the problem is it doesn't discuss the larger context of disco even before they start getting into opening up this club. And then therefore it erases the black people, the Latino people, the gay people that gave birth to this culture called disco that they could then capitalize on and turn it into this big celebrity culture thing. But it started as an underground movement, but but people didn't have nothing. You know what I mean? So it's like, you can't just come in here and erase that. that I just felt it needed some sort of, I understand why they didn't do it because it's so much about like the business of Studio 54 and everything like that. But we can't just be accepting these things that just keep erasing us. So, I, you know, I, I didn't like that. And then by the same token, when they start ta- ta- talking about the disco backlash and everything, they make it seem like because of the recession, a lot of, you know, white men that might be out of work or something are kind of reacting against the celebrity culture and see these celebrities parties and everything like that. And not that they are just some homophobic, racist, bullshit motherfuckers like they always were. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, don't try to put the celebrity on. They, they're just racist and any racist and homophobic and anything that they can use to activate their racism and homophobia, they're going to do it if that's disco records or whatever it is. So I wish it had had more of that frame in it. It didn't even mean to be a lot. It just needed to have been said. But other than that, I think it's... Um, other than that, I think it's, you know, kind of worthwhile to see if it's just on in the background or whatever and you don't take it too serious and you, you know, watch it with, make sure you get that that one little eyebrow, that one eyebrow skeptically arched at all times and watch it like that and I think you'll be good. So anyway, y'all, that's the show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I love y'all for listening. I truly do. If you want to help me out in this movement, then please, 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 please um, share it with people. Go back and listen to old episodes, just whatever. You know, podcasts, it's, it's a numbers game. You know, in order to get sponsors and everything, they just need to see listeners. So anything you can do to help me out with this, I'd really appreciate it because I love doing it for y'all. And, you know, I think you like it too. So let's just keep doing it. Let's just make this a movement. It's ours. You know, it's ours to do. What other weekly black gay, you know what I mean? I'm sure there are out there, but but what other weekly black gay excursion into pop culture out there by Craig motherfucking Seymour, okay? This is the only one you get. So if you like it, then please support it. Please, please, please share it. Um. So anyway, and that's free. That's not asking you to do a goddamn thing. So... Uh, I really appreciate that. And do y'all think I'm going to get this intro right, outro right? Let's hope this might be the first time. So until next week, be cool, be kind, be creative. And in the words of my fave, be your damn self. (laughs) Be your damn self. Ah, (laughs) shit. (sighs) Let's do it one more time. You know, I need to figure out how to stop it. Okay, here we go. So, until next week, be cool, be kind, be creative, and in the words of my fave... Be your damn self. (laughs) Okay, that worked. Anyway, y'all, thanks for listening, and I'll catch y'all next week. Love y'all. Bye.